the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I don't know about you, but I have been having a fantastic time here at KKLA-FM at 7 p.m. Monday through Friday. If you haven't been listening, you need to change your schedule because we've been discussing some incredibly important topics from the Bible on our radio program called Lift Up Jesus. I am Pastor Dudley Rutherford over at Shepherd Church located right here in Los Angeles, the greatest city in the world. And whether you're driving or listening at home or at work, I'm thrilled that you're here. It is no coincidence that you're listening today. I believe with all of my heart that God has a purpose for you, for your family, and really for this city. I've discovered that being immersed in the Bible every single day will completely transform your life. And a great way to dive into God's Word each and every day is to tune into this program Lift Up Jesus with Dudley Rutherford. We're here on KKLA Monday through Friday from 7 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. And I'd love to have you join us and invite your friends and family to do the same. Be sure to stick around until the end of today's program because I have a few important things to share with you when this message concludes. Let's get started because I know you will be blessed and encouraged by today's message. Our time on this earth is limited. No matter who you are, whether you're young or old, rich or poor, healthy or unhealthy, each tick of the clock, another moment of your life is behind you. The Bible actually teaches in Job 14, verse 5, it says that your days are numbered. And what that means is you only have so many days that have been allotted to you. And the idea of this four-week series, and again, I'm glad you're here at the start, is not to make you squirm and it's not to make you fearful. The purpose of this series is for you to live every single day that God gives you to its fullest. The purpose of this series is to help you make your life count for God. Not many people know this, but one of my younger brothers was diagnosed with a rare bone marrow cancer. And the doctors have told him that there is no known cure. And all of the siblings were taking tests. I'm involved of taking some tests because my brother needs a bone marrow transplant, which if he gets, they tell him it's not going to cure him. It will only buy him about another 12 months of life here on this earth. And I want to tell you something. When the doctor tells you that you only have a few months to live, let me tell you something. Everything in your life changes at that point. The question, if you knew, if you knew that you only had one month to live, how would your life change? How would your priorities change if you knew you only had a few days left? If you knew 
for a fact that you only had 31 days left to live. Many of the things that you now seem so important to you would immediately become meaningless to you. And you would have total clarity on what matters the most. And you wouldn't wait to do tomorrow what you know you need to do today. And at the end of that month, if you truly lived as though it were your last month on this earth to live, you know what you would wish? You would wish that you'd lived your whole life like that. And I'm not asking or suggesting for you to quit your job. Please don't jump to that conclusion. But I am asking you to consider that every day you live is another precious gift from an almighty God. And if you would realize you only had a certain number of days left, your life would be radically transformed. Here's the main point for today. If you knew that you only had a month to live, number one, you would love completely. You would love completely. You wouldn't spend your last 31 days caring about everything, but there would be a few things that would matter the most to you. And if the doctor told you, I mean, if you had a, a doctor's appointment and the doctor said to you, I hate to break the news, but you only have one month left to live. I guarantee you that the most important thing that would matter to you at the end of the day, write this down, would be your relationships. Nothing else would matter more than that to you. Why, all the money in the world, all the money in the world wouldn't mean a thing to you. All the fame in the world would be worthless to you. All of the great vacations that you've ever experienced or could experience would lose their thrill. Because at that moment, when you realize you only had a handful of days left on the face of this earth to enjoy, your relationships would matter the most, and write this down, especially with your loved ones and your friends. In fact, your heart and your mind would immediately think of those that you love. Now, when you read the book of Philippians, if you don't realize who wrote this and where he was when he wrote it, it really doesn't mean to have the same impact. The author of this letter, four chapters, is a man named Paul. Everybody say Paul. Paul wrote these four chapters. And he wrote it to a church, the church in Philippi. And what you need to know is that when he penned these words, he was under house arrest. He was in prison in Rome. Now, I've never been in prison, but if you ever go to prison, a lot of things happen to you where you start to think about your life. Sometimes you see it slipping through your fingers. You start to realize what's most important. Paul's in prison, and to his knowledge, he's never getting out. They didn't have text messages back there where you could text around the world. And so what he's doing in the prison is, under house arrest, he starts to write letters. Why does he do that? Well, I, I know all kinds of people, all kinds of people on their deathbeds, that when they hear those words, you don't have long to live, they immediately begin to write and call and text and meet and to express love to their loved ones and to their friends i had a guy call me this week just out of the blue i haven't talked to this guy in 10 years and i was shocked that he even called. He called me he said dudley i just want to tell you i don't know if you know this but my dad died and my wife's 
Dad died this week in a helicopter accident up in Alaska. He was a bush uh, pilot or what they call, he flies planes and helicopters up in Alaska. They train missionaries to go into areas that don't have the gospel to fly in. And my father-in-law died this week in a helicopter accident. He goes, I don't know why. He goes, I got like 40 people I just want to call and, and say, I love you. And he goes, you're on my list. That's only, I don't need anything. I just want you to know that. I hear stories like that all the time. So let's go to the context. Paul's writing this. Where is he? He's under house arrest. And he's writing letters. He doesn't know how long he has left to live. And as I read through some of this, we'll start with verse 3. I want you to just to sense, to smell, to, to, you can just see, you can hear. As I read through this, the love, everybody say love. He, he just like, he just wants them, to, he wants the people in Philippi to know how much he loves them. That's what I see when I read through this. Look at verse three. He goes, I thank my God. I thank my God. Every time I walk, I, I remember you. In all my prayers, verse 4, not some of my prayers, but in all of my prayers, not, not just for some of you, but for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. Now watch this. From the first day until what? And he said, my entire life, I'm just, I'm looking back over my life and I, I'm, I'm thinking of you, I'm praying for you. And I, I, I just, uh, he says, verse 6, and we talked about this uh, Uh, in our worship, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus. Don't, don't, don't worry if this is the last time you hear from me. I just want you to know that the Lord is continued. He will continue to work in your life. And then he says these words, do you sense it? Look at verse seven. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart for whether I am in chains or if I'm defending and confirming the gospel, All of you sharing God's grace with me. He's saying, I know we're all in this thing together. Now look at verse 8. And God, he says, God can testify. He's saying, God is my witness. Call God to the witness stand. He will testify. How I long for all of you with the affection of what? He says, I just want you to know that I love you the same way I love Jesus Christ. Paul is expressing his love to the Philippians for two reasons. Reason number one is because he does in fact love them. But the second reason he's writing this is because he understands that he might not have many more opportunities to tell them. I have all kinds of people that I say I love you too just because I don't know how many times I have left to tell them. Don't you think when I leave my dad that I I say, Dad, I just want you to know I love him. You know what I do to my dad now when I leave? I actually kiss my dad. And it seems awkward to me, but I can't help help myself. I just get ready to leave. I go back, I just give him a big old slobbery kiss. (laughs) Because I don't know how many more opportunities I'm going to have to tell him I love him. I heard about a husband who had a heart attack. He was rushed to the hospital. His wife was finally allowed to walk into his room. And to her dismay, she saw and found him hooked up with all these machines that were bleeping and hissing and beeping. And they were tracking, those machines were tracking his blood pressure and monitoring his heartbeats. And she tiptoed over towards his bed and said, George, I'm here. And she kissed him. And immediately the machine started to go beep, 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 beep. 
And it ended up he was okay. But later she had explained, after 47 years of marriage, it's nice to know that I can still make his heart skip a beat or two. I also think of another elderly woman who said to her elderly husband, when we were younger, you used to nibble on my ear. And her husband got up and started to leave the room. And she said, where are you going? And he said, I'm going to get my teeth. (laughs) You know, we have people all over this room on every campus. Children fighting with their parents. Siblings fighting with their siblings, spouses fighting with their spouses, friends fighting with friends, arguing and fighting over all kinds of issues, some financial, some relational, fighting and bickering and jockeying and manipulating and verbally attacking and slandering on all kinds of issues. But in light of eternity, all of those issues are petty and small. And if the truth were told... If you told your problems that you're having with your friend to someone who was truly objective, if it was a truly objective friend, your objective friend would tell you how silly you look. They would encourage you to grow up and to realize that life is short. Tomorrow is never promised. And bury your pride and bury your ego and learn how to forgive one another and love one another and learn how to love deeply and learn how to love completely, especially with your loved ones and your friends. I know of couples that fight over the silliest things that you can imagine. Like I'll call you at 11 o'clock and they, they don't call till 11.15. And it's like World War III breaks out. We fight over the temperature or the setting on the... We, people fight, this is true. People fight over the way the, the, the toilet paper, does it roll off the back or the front? It's true. And all these issues, we end up going, it's either my way or the highway. A lot of people choose the highway. So disingenuous, so shallow, so selfish, so immature. You act like you have unlimited time on earth. You act like you have all the time in the world to make things right. And the Bible says in James 4.14, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist, a vapor that appears for a little while and then life vanishes. You're gone. And then he says in verse 17, anyone who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Wouldn't you, if you knew you only had a few days left to live, wouldn't you squeeze the hand of that loved one a little tighter? Wouldn't you look and cherish every moment with your children? And children, wouldn't you know, wouldn't you, if you knew your parents weren't going to live much longer, wouldn't you try to get along and honor them a little better than what you do now? And wouldn't you stop and express your love a little more frequently? And wouldn't you hold that hug a little longer and a little tighter? Jesus was on the cross. He spoke seven times. He's about to die. 
He's not going to be on this earth much longer. He's got a few hours left, a few minutes left to tick on the clock and Jesus is going to die. And of the seven times that he speaks, in John chapter 19, look at verse 26. He's on the cross. He's about to die. The Bible says that Jesus looked down and he saw his mother there. And then he saw the disciple whom he loved, which is John, standing nearby. And he says to his mother, Mama, because he's getting ready to die. He says, Mama, here is your son. John's going to take care of you. And verse 27, he says to his disciples, he says, John, here's your mother. She's Mary. Take care of my mom. And the Bible says from that time on, the disciple took her into his what? And Jesus knows that the time is short. And on the top of his list, when he knows there's not much time left, on the top of his list was caring for the woman who meant the most to him in his life. His mama. Let me ask you a question. Wouldn't you tend to forgive a little quicker and rather hold on to a grudge if you knew you didn't have much time left? Do you want to go into eternity without forgiving those who mean the most to you? There are so many relationships that are fragile and broken and dysfunctional. I get that. But take this day to offer forgiveness. Take this day to offer grace and love and mercy to start over anew and recommit your love and care for one another. Hear me out. Listen to me. Once you pass, that moment comes and you pass from this life until the next, it will be too late for you to mend any broken relationship you have on this earth. I guess what I'm saying is this. Don't wait till someone is dead to send them flowers. One month left to live. How would you treat those that are close to you differently if you knew you only had one month left to live? Number two, write this down. You'd love completely. Your relationship would matter is the relationship you have with your church and her gospel. If you were getting ready to die, besides that relationship with your friends and your loved ones would be your relationship with your church and her gospel would mean the most to you, should mean the most to you. I want to read through this again, the context. He's in prison. He doesn't know how much longer he's got to live. He's writing a letter. He doesn't know how many more times he's got a chance to explain these things. And so how does he spend his time? By writing these words. Look at verse 12. I, I want you all to know something, my brothers. That what's happened to me, I'm here in this prison. I know a lot of you think that huh, this didn't turn out very well. But what happened to me has really helped to serve to advance the gospel. Well, how could you being in prison help advance the gospel? Well, he says, as a result, it has become clear throughout the entire palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Just imagine everyone he's chained to. He keeps talking about Jesus Christ. Verse 14, because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord 
have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fear. Listen, if I, if I saw someone arrested for being, for preaching the gospel, I, I would tend to think I, the, it would scare everybody off. But he's saying, hey, I don't have long to live. The guys I'm even chained to, God put me in a position. In fact, all over the Roman guard, the palace, the people are getting saved left and right because I don't care who I'm chained to. I, they're, they're the prisoner, not me. I'm going to tell them who Jesus Christ is. And so don't think that just because I'm chained, this is bad. No, this is, has encouraged the saints to speak the word of God even more courageously and more fearlessly because now we know that no matter what situation you're in, that people can be saved. And then he says in verse 15, it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. Verse 16, the latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Verse 17, the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in these chains. But here it is. But what does it matter? What does it matter? The important thing. Everybody say the important thing. The, the important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or truth, the only thing that matters in life is that Christ is preached and because of this I rejoice. I want to tell you something, and it's, it's the honest truth. If I only had one month to live on this earth, and you said, Dudley, your doctor says all you've got is four weeks. You've you got four weeks left. I want you to know that my sense of urgency for this church and her mission would increase a hundredfold. You see, I have many things on my bucket list. You know what a bucket list is, right? A bucket list are things that you want to get done before you die. And I don't know if you've ever written things down. I, I write stuff down on my bucket list. I, I've always wanted, on my bucket list, is to learn how to play the piano. I envy people who can play instruments. I've never taken the time to do that. I think it would take me about 10 years, but if I started today and I spent the next 10 years of my life practicing every day, and, and in 10 years, the rest of my life, I could, like, I could tickle the ivory. I've, on my bucket list, I want to learn Spanish. I know very little Spanish. Like, I'll take number seven at Taco Bell. That's like all the Spanish I know. <laughs> but I, th I thought, you know, if I just have one person who would teach me Spanish, I meet with them like twice a week. That, and you know, in about four or five years, I could learn how to speak that language. It's on my bucket list. I've always wanted to go to Germany. There's a passion play that is held. It's been, it's been conducted since the 1600s. And they only do it every 10 years. It lasts five hours long. The whole thing is in the German language. But I want to go. I've always wanted to go since I've heard about it. How many of you enjoy our passion play? Well, they have, the longest running passion play in the world is over in Germany every 10 years. And I have it written down. I, it's not just that I've written down. I've already put a trip together. You can actually go with me if you want. In 2020, I'm going. I'm just going to sit there for five hours. If I'm still alive. I'm going to scratch that off my bucket list. Can someone say amen? amen? But if the doctor said, Dudley, you've only got one month, I would want you to know that I would spend that last month serving more than I've ever served, encouraging more than I've ever encouraged this church 
to be the light for the city of Los Angeles and for this world. I would beg, I would beg, I would plead, I would fight, I would urge, I would pray that this church would continue when I'm long gone. I would spend the last 30 days trying to get you and hey, when I'm gone, I want this church to continue to preach the word of God more courageously and more fearlessly, just like Paul said to the church in Philippi. I'd be saying that to you. Thanks for joining us today on Lift Up Jesus with Dudley Rutherford. If you've enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to visit us at liftupjesus.com. Sign up for our monthly devotional. It's absolutely free. And you have to love free. Say amen if you like free. We'll send it to you via email right to your inbox and you'll be blessed and encouraged. I also want to encourage you to join us at Shepherd Church this weekend at one of our three campuses. If you do not have a church home, we would love to have you come visit us here at Shepherd, either at Porter Ranch Campus, the Woodland Hills Campus, or up there in Aqua Dulce. Visit our website at liftupjesus.com to learn more about Shepherd Church, our locations, and our service times. And if you feel led to support us in this radio outreach to Los Angeles, I invite you to partner with us. Go to the website liftupjesus.com and help us reach this city with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is people like you and gifts like yours that enable this radio program to exist. For a financial gift of any amount, we will send you our anchored Bible study journal. The journal features a Bible reading plan, a page to journal for every day of the year. There are thought-provoking questions and inspirational quotes that will take you deeper into God's Word. You can call us toll-free at 888-818-4777 or visit our website at liftupjesus.com. We'd love to hear from you and remember to meet me, Pastor Dudley Rutherford, here every weekday at 7 p.m. at KKLA as we continue to lift up Jesus. Jesus.